one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee and this is episode 33, chapter 6 of Fifty Shades Darker. So, chapter 6. This is a little bit of a plot-heavy episode, but not even really like serious plot. It's a little bit of a filler, so this might be a short episode. We'll see. So, starts with a sex scene, pretty standard, you know, they fuck, it's fine. And afterwards, doing their like pillow talk or whatever, Christian is like, you know, you're so attractive, whatever, and Anna's like, oh, I don't know about that like doing her low self-esteem thing and Christian is like no seriously you're so hot all these boys want you and he like lists out like her co-worker from the hardware store and Jose and her boss now and whatever and like lists all of these other guys who have shown even the slightest interest in her throughout the series and then he concludes by saying they all want what's mine which like on the one hand it sucks to see your partner have such low self-esteem and not see their worth and not see what you obviously see in them to make you want to be with them like it sucks you want to you you want them to see for themselves how wonderful you think they are right i totally understand that urge however saying, look at all these boys who want into your pants, but you're mine, they want what's mine, they want my property. Like, that's not, not exactly gonna do it for me. I don't know. I don't know about the rest of you, but not my favorite way of putting that. I feel like there's a much kinder way of saying that, or like, less jealous and possessive just right off the fucking bat. I don't know. It's Christian Grey, so what do I expect, really? So if you remember, Anna stopped taking birth control for like the few days that they were broken up, and so Christian is now back to wearing a condom because birth control is a thing. Um, and he like complains about it and is like, oh, I hate wearing these things. I should bring in a doctor to do a house call and get you a birth control shot so I don't have to do this anymore. Which like, yeah, if Anna wants that, sure, go for it. But like, she talked through a bunch of birth control options when she started the pill and decided not to do a shot. I'm gonna guess there was a reason why she didn't want to do a shot. So if she still doesn't want to do one now, too fucking bad. Wear the fucking condoms until she starts taking her meds again. Like, that is not your decision to make, my guy. It's really not. If you really hate wearing condoms that much, get a fucking vasectomy. Otherwise, condoms. Like, it's really that simple. But of course, this has to end in a white picket fence and 2.5 kids, so of course they're gonna have kids later. I don't know for sure, but I am just guessing, based on vibes, that this is gonna end with kids <laughs> in the future. Like, that's the assumption. So therefore, my dude, you're gonna wear condoms. Okay? Okay. Alright, good talk. Okay, my note about this is a little bit indecipherable, but we have a quote to go with it, so I can probably figure what figure out what I was going to say from that. So, page 124, in reference to Layla, Christian's capital E X, Christian says to Anna, "You see red whenever I mention her. My past is my past. It's a fact. I can't change it. I'm lucky that you don't have one, meaning a sexual history, because it would drive me crazy if you did." 
So I'm hoping we're all just seeing the glaring double standard right there because holy shit. Oh yeah, I have a past. I can't help it. I can't change it. But good thing you don't have a past because also my feelings are your responsibility and also your feelings are your responsibility. Like that's what he's saying there. He's like, I can't do anything about my past, so you're gonna have to deal with it. And also if you had a sexual history, if you had exes, I would not be able to handle it. So it would also be your problem, which is the most fucking emotionally immature. Like I get it. Jealousy happens. Like, I'm Polly. Jealousy happens. You, you know, like, Polly people aren't above it. Monogamous people sure as hell aren't above it. Like, it happens. It's an emotion that happens. And that's okay. That's normal. However, you are responsible for your own goddamn emotions, whether that's jealousy over someone's ex or literally any other emotion. Now, that's not to say that Christian going, oh, I have a past and I can't change it, so anything you feel about it isn't my problem. Like, that's not the right response either. There is a middle ground here, which is, your partner's job is to sit with you and support you through your emotions and maybe say, hey, why are you so fucking jealous of Layla? What are we, like, what is going on? You know, I, I forget who I heard say it first, but I've heard several people over the years say that a lot of times jealousy is a need going unfulfilled or like in my case sometimes it's even a fear that a need will go unfulfilled in the future because anxiety is fun like that right so christian's responsibility here is what is the fear what is the need that's going unmet how can we work together to navigate around it and also, Christian's responsibility is realizing we're not 17 anymore. We're in our, like, mid-20s. The chances of having someone in your life who does not have any kind of sexual history is just gonna keep fucking going down as you get older, right? Like, people date. People have relationships. People, you know, I'm 30. I'm like regularly encountering people in my dating pool who have been married or since I'm Polly are married currently, right? It's, it's just, it's just a fact. Like I, we've lived more lives. People in my age group have lived more life than, than we did at 24, at, you know, 17. It just, that's just how life goes. That's how linear time works. So... The fact that Christian is here in his mid-twenties still unable to handle the thought of someone he is dating having serious romantic relationships in their past. Like, that is the reddest of flags, holy shit, that's like so red it's like shrimp color red, right? Like, and so that emotion is entirely his responsibility. It's entirely something that he has to work his, his ass through. Although, of course, he doesn't right now because Anna is the idealized, sheltered little virgin for him to corrupt and sculpt into whatever the fuck he wants. So, although she is learning to stand up for herself, which is good, she is learning to assert herself and her boundaries. I just really wish for her that it did not have to be under such dire circumstances, but here we are. <laughs>
Next quote, page 126. We are getting ready to go to a charity gala event dinner thing that Christian's mom is throwing. So, and Anna's like putting herself together. She is contemplating their relationship and she thinks, perhaps we can make this work. But how long will he want to do this without wanting to beat the crap out of me because I crossed some arbitrary line? I've said this so fucking many times about this exact fucking thing in this series so far. That's not how kink works. That's not how DS works. That's not how punishment in dynamics works. It's not just some arbitrary line that one of you decides on, okay? Here's how you get beat up in a kink relationship. Either A, you want it, you ask for it. You go to your top and you say, hey, can you beat me up, please? That sounds like fun right now. Or the other way is you play a game, okay? I recently heard someone just or saw, it was on the internet, so I recently saw someone describe kink as LARP that makes you come. And that's it. That's exactly fucking it. It's a game. It's grown-up playtime. It's it's playing make-believe with sex sometimes, if that's what you're into. Or or just like other cool adult shit. So you play a game. The premise of the game is here are some arbitrary lines that we both agree on. That's the fucking important part. You both have to be in agreement. Everyone involved in this scene, everyone involved in this protocol, everyone involved in this dynamic has to agree on the rules, okay? That's called consent. Now, once you all agree on the rules, these arbitrary lines, that when you cross them, because here's the thing, the idea is that you are going to cross them eventually and you are going to get spanked and you are okay with that because it is built into the game. That is the other way that you get spanked in a kink relationship. And I am going very broad strokes here, right? Like there is a lot of other details and situations and whatever that can get you into being spanked in a kink relationship, right? I'm, I'm not trying to make this all encompassing. But the point that I'm trying to make is that either way, whether you are straight up asking for a spanking or agreeing to rules that will result in a spanking if you break them, you have to be okay with the idea of getting spanked at some point. Otherwise, you have not consented to this happening to you. And there's a lot of different ways you can get there. There's a lot of different, you know, arbitrary lines that you can put in place or games that you can play, LARPs that'll get you spanked, right? <laughs> There's lots of ways to do this, but all of them involve the agency and the consent and the active participation of everyone involved, not just the top, the bottom too. And that's not how Christian is setting this up. That's not how he's teaching Anna to think about it, which is not good. That's not healthy kink. That's not how this shit works. Once again, I am going to keep saying this until the end of time. This is not how this shit works. So, remember in the last book when he put these, like, steel kegel balls into Anna and then spanked her and it was really fun? And that's, like, the one thing from this series that I kind of want to try, just to see what it's like. <laughs> but that's for another time. Oh, hey, my new Dom listens to my podcast now. Well, anyway, that's for another time. So he takes the kegel balls back out and he's like, hey, do you want to wear these to the to the fancy dinner tonight to be like kind of secretly naughty or whatever? And she agrees. 
and it's like kind of great because it's it's like the smoothest like one of the smoothest consent getting scenes that I think I've seen in this series so far and it's like yeah it really is that easy like they he comes in he's like hey I would like you to wear these what do you think and she's like I don't know and he's like if you if it gets to be too much if it gets to be too uncomfortable at any point you're allowed to take them out it's fine and she's like okay let's do it and then they do it and it like it's that fucking simple you guys it's that easy just fucking get consent just like that's that's all a negotiation really has to be especially with you know here's a toy that they've used before they're kind of familiar with how things go around it right so if it especially if it's a scene that you've done before if it's something you've played with before negotiation really can just be as simple as hey do you want to do this okay well what about this one thing okay here's the solution to that okay let's do it like it does not it's not hard it's not i promise you it's not hard Christian also mentions that his therapist will be at the gala and wants to meet Anna, which seems unprofessional. Now, I am not a therapist. I am not an expert on the rules and laws that govern therapy in general. So I'm just basing this on my interaction because I have had a few therapists in my life at this point. And there have been, you know, one or two times in my life where I have run into a therapist outside of therapy. Just, you know, we're both people living in the same city. So we happened to be at the same place at the same time. And you know what? my therapist did every single time acted like they didn't know me and then we talked about it at our next session and they were like yeah that's what I do if I see a patient in the wild it's it's honestly it's kind of like kink rules like at a lot of play parties they will say if you see Bob from accounting you know getting tied up and whipped you don't want to be like hey Bob missed you at the office the other day because maybe Bob is not out about his workplace and his kink life you know maybe he doesn't want those crossing over and like vice versa if you see someone getting tied up and whipped at a play party and then the next day you see them in the grocery store and you're like hey saw you at the party last night no because again they might not be out in the rest of their life right and it's the same goes for for therapists it's patient privacy maybe not everyone wants to know hey i am in therapy with this specific person right not everybody wants to wants to advertise that so just the idea of someone's therapist being like oh yeah i'd love to see you at you know i'll see you at this gala and i'd love to meet your new girlfriend who you have not discussed you know the possibility of meeting me with her at all that's fine like that that's i don't i don't like that i don't like that that's that's a bad sign for this therapist that's why probably why he hasn't actually helped christian through any of his shit yet oh yeah so at the gala they're like meeting some of mia's friends and or anna is meeting some of mia's friends because christian already knows them and it's all like oh i can't believe he has a girlfriend finally like we all thought he was gay oh my god like that same fucking tired line from that was everywhere in the last book and i'm so sick of it i was sick of it then i was hoping we were through with it but apparently we are fucking not because a conventionally attractive man is not allowed to not publicly date someone unless he's like gay so i it's it's just the heteronormativity is killing me and and it's like the mild homophobia is just i don't care if it's mild i'm not here for it I'm so done. Can we like, can we stop? 
can we just like allow people to have relationships or not have relationships as they see fit or like be private about them or public about them as they see fit like can we stop making all kinds of assumptions about someone's private life just based on what we can see from the outside please can we do that oh shit i gotta google something real quick So I was wrong. See, I'm not above admitting when I was wrong. So I had a nitpick when I was doing my dramatic reading of this chapter that, so it's a masquerade event gala, so everyone's wearing masks, and some of the masks that people are wearing are described as Venetian masks. And I had thought that, like, by definition, a Venetian mask was one of those, like, masks that are on a stick that you like hold in front of your face. So you're not exactly wearing it, you're like holding it. So I was wrong. That is not what a Venetian mask is. It is a certain style of mask that of course originated in Venice for carnival and and other similar events, but it, it does not necessarily have to be on a stick. So you could in fact wear a Venetian mask. I was wrong about that. Cool, I learned something new today and maybe some of you did too. Yay! <laughs> Moving on. Another little nitpick, because there, there's really not a lot that, like, heavy that goes on in this chapter, so it's gonna be a short episode, whatever. So the they're at, like, the dinner, and the text of the chapter lists out, first of all, the entire, like, several-course-long menu for this dinner. Every single piece of it is put in the text of the book. And then a little bit later on, there's like a list of items that have been donated to be auctioned off to benefit this charity. And it also gives us the entire list of of those pieces. And like, okay, so a couple of the pieces to be auctioned are plot relevant. There is one that has been donated by Layla, so Anna is miffed at seeing her name. And there is one where Christian has like, offered to let people stay in his property in Aspen because of course he has property in Aspen because he's a gazillionaire but Anna is like surprised at this so there's like and then there's a little bit of a plot point about that later but we'll get there but still if I were the editor of this book which I clearly am not because I would have not allowed this to be published in the first place but if I were editing this book I would take those lists out because they just seem extremely superfluous to me. And I would maybe have Anna mention, oh, Mrs. Robinson donated a piece to this auction. Oh, fuck her. And then I would mention, oh, further down the list, here is Christian's property in Aspen. I didn't know he had property in Aspen. Well, of course he does. He's a bazillionaire. I should have known. You know, like, it it could have been accomplished in a much more efficient and, and I think more engaging way versus having us read through this entire fucking thing that I really don't care about. But that's just me. So then we once again have Christian talking about like another charitable project that he has going on to try to get technology more accessible in, you know, remote regions of the global south. And he's like innovating with, you know, wind up cell phones that don't need actually need like electricity and would be like 
you know, you could upkeep them with very minimal maintenance and all this stuff so that people in the global south can have cell phones and, and like, be more connected or whatever. And he's like, it's this brand new technology that his company is developing and he's not going to patent it. He's just going to give it away for free. And it's, he's just so, like, first of all, this would make him, like, one of, like, the first actually kind, good caring like one percenter ever to ever exist because i'm sorry when you get that much money it rots your brain like we have seen this over and over and over it just there's you just can't live that lifestyle without it just absolutely turning your brain to mush and like shriveling your heart up grinch style so the fact that he is like hot and charming and rich and also just wants to help the world like he's He's like the Mary Sue of romantic leads, except that he is also extremely abusive to this person in his life that he claims to care about, which just gives the lie to his philanthropy just utterly. It makes it ring so hollow and so disingenuous and or like it's just fucking bad writing. I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. It. I just, I just don't believe it. I don't buy it. Speaking of abuse, so the chapter ends with... Anna making a bid on the stay at Christian's property in Aspen using the money that he gave her for her car that he had confiscated and sold, which if you remember, they argued over like multiple times and he insisted multiple times that that was her money. And so therefore, theoretically, she is able to spend it however the fuck she wants to. And so she gets this wild hair and she's like, okay, somebody just bid $20,000 for this thing. I have $24,000 freshly deposited into my bank account. I'm gonna bid all of it. And she wins. And just the way that she describes Christian's reaction from beside her, like, I just know, I just fucking know there's going to be a fight about it in the next chapter. There is going, he is going to get so angry at her for spending her money in a way that he does not approve of. Yeah, real fucking heart of gold on this one. Can't wait to see what happens next. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash leecartist. And you can find my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten. And did I I mention I have a new dom in my life? Because we also did some couples content together. First time in a while that I've done couples content. So check that maybe out if you're so inclined inclined, this podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod and most importantly, patreon.com slash thecurdledpod, where you can support the podcast monthly in return for some fun exclusive content, which, full disclosure, I am extremely behind on Patreon content right now. Whoops, I am working so hard to catch up, and in the meantime, if you do subscribe, there is plenty of backlog of content, so it will 
keep you busy until I am on top of my life once again, I promise. <laughs> Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links, and if you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com, and if you can't or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, write about it on whatever social media is sinking into the earth slowest this week. Do whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. Thank you so much, I really do appreciate it. The logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware, consensual kink. Bye! Ooh, that was like higher than usual. Halloween eyelashes on my face because I'm recording this close to Halloween, so I hope they don't fall off. <laughs> they're they're hanging in there. I think they're gonna be okay. Whatever, like her I'm flipping my note notebook around, I need to stop. <clears throat> oh my god, I just took a nap by the way, so my I'm like I have morning voice light right now. <laughs> Come on. Oh gestures, please. Yes, okay. Our logo, the logo. I did it again, our logo. There is, there is no our, it's just me.